Hey everyone, welcome to episode 152 of the End Focus podcast. I'm your host Andy Corrigan. With me, as always, is Andrew Brown. Hello. And Tori Wassenaar. Hello. Uh, and this week, we're going to catch up with Tori about her playthrough with Resident Evil Revelations. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the latest Switch announcements. And then I'm going to talk about uh, a game called Air Memories of Old. And uh, Andrew's going to give us the rundown on uh, Axiom Verge. The uh, indie Metroidvania game. Say that with such judgment in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're they're all Metroidvanias, aren't they? I scorn you, doubting Thomas. I scorn you. <laughs> uh, so with that, let's uh, jump into our updates from the previous episode. So, Tori, Resident Evil Revelations. You've been on a a bit of a uh, what's the term? Not a crusade. <laughs> That's completely uh, the wrong word. A I don't campaign, know what I'm talking about. A uh, mission. You, you've, you've been on a, a long journey through the, all the, the Resident Evil games, <laughs> minus the uh, the best ones, which are the original trilogy, but we'll get onto that later. Um, <laughs> you've uh, finally beaten Resident Evil Revelations, I believe. That's the first one. Quotation marks finished. I got to the final boss and I was just having such a bad time that I went... Close enough. I'll watch the rest on YouTube. I'm, I'm calling it done. <laughs> I know that's technically cheating, but yeah, the, the, you got to draw a line. At, well, you got to draw a line somewhere when you stop having fun with a game. When that frustration just turns into something awful, you just have to stop. And that's where I stopped. So last time I talked about, I got about halfway through the game and there were so many parts of it that I adored and so many parts of it that I just felt fell flat. One of the things that I loved was how it felt like an original Resident Evil game in the way that you explore that ship, but it kind of keeps pulling you away from exploring that ship every now and then to do like a mission somewhere else. The second half of it, it's really disappointing of how much of the game when you're on that ship is just running from one end to the other. And then the next chapter is you doing it the other way. Mm-hmm. It just got really bland gameplay wise. There was no more exploration anymore. It was, it was barely even combat. It was just a whole bunch of sequences where you're just moving from one area to another. Maybe you shoot something. You're probably not going to, you can run past them. A uh, couple of boss battles. I don't like the boss battles in this game at all, I don't think. There's just poor feedback of if you're actually doing any damage to the bosses. It was, it's just really disappointing that the second half of the game just betrayed what the first half was setting up. So it's a Resident Evil game. Yeah. Um, that's a pattern <laughs> that I've been noticing when I've played these Resident Evil games is that the start of the game kind of sets it up to be this awesome premise of exploring a, a police station or actually the resident evil 2 remake wasn't too bad in that regard yeah, that that's because they they mixed a lot of the second half of the original right yeah yeah kind of uh, i i think it's more attributable to that they just let resident evil 2 remake take the time it needed to take and then resident evil 3 remake they rushed out as fast as they could which is why that one was not nearly as good as the re2 remake 
But hey, those are uh, PlayStation games, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> yeah, it, ultimately, it is just a pattern that I'm finding in a lot of Resident Evil games, where the first half sets up something, and then the second half just disregards it to give you cutscenes. And the the, the right term isn't um, quick time events, but like it's that sort of it's not the core gameplay. It's just like you're moving and shooting or something like that. It just gets muddied. I, I would have taken the entire game of just exploring the ship like a Resident Evil game and they just kind of lost their vision halfway through and it got tedious. So I, I don't think ultimately I can recommend this one. Um, I'm told that the raid mode is where it really shines. I can oh. guess who told you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you should listen to that episode, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Quite a few people actually. But yeah, I'll, I'll save the final, final buy it or don't judgment until I've had a good crack at the raid mode, I think. But the story mode falls flat for me. If you didn't like the final boss, you're not going to like the raid mode because it culminates in that same final boss, but a harder version of it. So, oh. yeah, <laughs> maybe you should just skip to the raid mode in Revelations 2. Yeah, I, I think... Revelations 2, like I'm I'm about I think halfway through Resident Evil Village. So after that, Revelations 2. Uh Revelations 2 is great. I love it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Uh okay, well uh, with that let's move on to the, the Switch news of which we've had some for a change. So that's nice. So let's talk about those. They're saving it for E3. They absolutely are. Okay, so first up, uh, Nintendo announced a new uh, kind of game. It's more of a, a development tool of sorts uh, in Game Builder Garage. That's coming 11th of June. Kind of like game programming, made simple, uh, programming for babies. Yeah, interesting. I'm, I'm really glad Nintendo does stuff like this. Equally, like... I get my creative kicks elsewhere, so it's probably not something I'll pick up to spend a lot of time creating in. Um, more just if I can play other people's stuff, that would be neat. When they were showing off the mechanics of how you build things, I was a bit like, I eh, wonder how similar everything's going to be. But the uh, sizzle reel at the end of the trailer looked pretty varied. Uh, a lot of different types of games, you know, even though they they might all end up Fairly simplistic. Keen to see more of it anyway. Uh, what did you two make of it? This is just the, the Labo stuff. Um, the branding of it and the presentation of it was pretty much straight out of Labo. Mm-hmm. I think they've discovered what the value of Labo ultimately was and it wasn't the cardboard. Mm-hmm. I, I'm keen to see what comes out of it, but I'm just sad that they've basically killed WarioWare, haven't they? I mean, they should have called this WarioWare Maker. They, they really should have. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first thing I thought of when I saw it was the uh, WarioWare DIY game. Mm. It even seems to have a similar presentation to what you're building with it. And another thing, I don't expect this to mean any, anything to anybody. Another thing I thought of when I saw it was a program that I used to have on my computer in the 90s called Coco DR2, which you could do very similar things with graphically and in terms of input. And I tried to make a few games on that. And put them up on AOL America Online. And that was a long time ago. <laughs> but I'm in a completely different place in my life now. I don't. I'm not real interested in 
creating things especially if there's not a, a good platform for distributing them for other people to play because creating things takes a long time <laughs> like mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm trying to write more now in my life and that alone is already sucking up at least half the time that i i spent last year beating all the games that i beat last year and in years past so I don't want to put any more time in my life into creating things, so I had next to no interest in this. Once I saw what the premise was, I, I clicked off. I didn't even watch the entire video. Yeah, that's where I am. Like, I, I get my creative kicks from writing and, you know, painting. Editing podcasts. Yeah, and, and editing podcasts, of course. That's, that's not a creative endeavor. That's a joy. <laughs> then you can have all my joy, Andrew. You can help yourself to it. Uh, no, no, thanks. I need, I need your help. <laughs> so that was that. Next up was the uh, surprise launch of Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, a uh, top-down Diablo-style uh, take of D&D. Uh, I think this was a PS2 game. Uh, I hadn't played it originally. But then it didn't get surprise released. They they had to nix it because of unforeseen circumstances with the eShop store, which means they've uh, done messed up somewhere in their submissions, I guess. And they're working to fix that, so should be coming in the next couple of days. Obviously, its release comes just before a new D&D Dark Alliance game comes out uh, to all other platforms this month. So I see this as like part of drumming up the interest or at least, you know, um, profiting off the interest of, the, of that new game. Either of you two interested in this one? I had it on GameCube a long time ago, 20 years ago now maybe. <laughs> it was all right. I enjoyed it when I played it. I feel no great compunction to come back to it, especially. I'd just rather play Diablo 3. It's on the mm. Switch. It's awesome. And it's a way better one of these games than, than Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance was. And, and Tori, you've just got this uh, inbuilt reflex to <laughs> fantasy games i think so probably a skip from you probably a skip from me it's a dark fantasy game though yeah exactly <laughs> uh, this, this would have been the game i played for this episode had it actually released but there we go it didn't okay so that's it we'll uh, move on to the things we've been playing okay so the first thing we're going to talk about is the game i've been playing which is air uh, spelled A-E-R, uh, Memories of Old. Uh, this is a short indie game, which is the reason I picked it for this week. This is a game that is set in a world not completely unlike Skyward Sword, uh, in that there is a lot of floating islands that were once one continent and had been torn asunder, uh, and you play a character that can turn into a bird and fly between them to explore. There is the threat of something called the Void that is wanting to engulf the world, as uh, darknesses want to do in all these fantasy games. So you uh, you have to save the world by uh, finding three temples and collecting three parts of a magic MacGuffin that will stop the world from ending. Uh, typical fantasy stuff. Uh, so the exploration then is you will fly around looking for the temples and finding out how to open them with some uh, rudimentary puzzle solving. The The world is uh, really open. Uh, you can fly around wherever you want. Um, there are lots of islands to land on, but there's not much to do on any of them, uh, which is a problem. Uh, you can find some lore tablets, which will you know tell you a bit about the area that you're exploring in. 
Um, nothing too interesting. Uh, there's some interesting wildlife on a couple of the islands. I guess there's some birds and uh, fantasy deer and, and all that sort of stuff. Now, on other platforms, there seem a lot of the exploration seems to be tied into the achievement system. Uh, where you're encouraged to go look for neat little things such as dancing crabs no such drive on switch like there's no they haven't converted the achievements to in-game achievements like some developers have so you you don't really have that drive to explore the world thoroughly because there's not that much that's interesting in it the the pattern is uh, you'll get a clue from like the hub area which is this uh, village next to what they call the lighthouse which isn't a lighthouse but okay and they sort of give you the general direction you need to go like hey the nearest temple is northeast so you'll you'll head off northeast and you'll you'll find a uh, column of light which will be your first clue on how to open the hidden temple when you get inside you lose your power of flight where you just engage in pretty rubbish platforming um, and following the path to solve again pretty simple puzzles to work your way through the temple to get the uh, part of MacGuffin you're looking for and that's about it. I haven't quite finished it. Uh, I was playing it today for the podcast, and I've got one temple to go. With with how it's going, I, I, I've got a pretty good grasp of it already. I, I like indie game, like short indie games that I can sit and blast through in an afternoon. This is that, so it's yeah, it's it's kind of a mediocre exploration game. Like I'm having a pleasant time because the visuals are nice and the music is nice. It's definitely not a game I would uh, highly recommend. I've played a lot of games of this ilk, like the the pretty indie, you know, walking simulator, you know, semi-exploration games. That and this this is it's not bad. It's not it's not great either. It's just you know it's okay. It's fine. I do have to talk about some performance issues I had straight away. The camera felt a little off to me, uh, and I couldn't tell if this was a frame rate problem for this version or whether that's just how it was made it has a habit of not finishing the load during loading screens which has lost me progress uh, three times uh, it's only a three hour game so that's not a a good uh, crash to playtime ratio at all so i had to go double back and redo a bunch of stuff i'd already done again just to to open up the next temple and then start all that again uh, so that was a bit disappointing. I got it for like three bucks. I'm not terribly mad. It, like if it crashed again, I probably would have just turned it off and not bothered with it. I don't I don't think it's a great game at all. Andrew, Axiom Verge, I vaguely remember you talking about this on a an earlier edition of the podcast. When back when we were Switch Focus. Yeah, back at the beginning of twenty eighteen when I I was was the first time that I played this game and I know I played it back then. I must have talked about it on the show, but I don't remember what I said, which is actually unusual. I I usually remember what I say on the show. (laughs) (laughs) The sequel is supposed to be out soon. It was given a Q2 release date in the Indie Direct late last year. There's only about a month and a half left in Q2, so (laughs) if it meets that release date, it should be out soon. So I I wanted to revisit the original because I remember not thinking much of it. I thought it was you know, an average three-star game out of five stars at best. But this game has a reputation behind it. I've seen some people swear by it. They swear it's one of the greatest games ever made. It's one of the most important indie games ever made. And that is not the impression I got from it the first time I played it. 
but you know sometimes you play a game and you're you're just in a bad mood or you just have a bad time with it for whatever reason maybe that was what happened with me so i'm revisiting it now before the sequel comes out and axiom verge is from thomas hap who is a solo developer so if nothing else uh making a game like this completely solo designing it developing it making all the graphical assets all the music probably the only game out there that's more impressive from a solo developer is stardew valley so if nothing else you got to give credit to thomas hat for that and it's an adventure platformer my favorite genre (laughs) and it is not at all unusual in that genre it's an open world it's got bosses that you have to beat to get your abilities and abilities gate progression once you get a new ability then you usually get access to a new area or to a door you couldn't reach before and if you are particularly thorough in your exploration you'll find hidden upgrades you can use to expand your health in this game you can increase the power of your weapon shots by finding certain upgrades and also the size of the shots so that's a little unusual in the genre game is about a man named Trace who wakes up in an alien world after an explosion in his lab that he works at, and it all works through what some of the characters in the game called mind machines, and every time he dies, he, like, dissolves into red blobs, and the nanites that are inside his head go back to the last save point, and he regenerates that way, and the fact that that's how the game's live system works actually ties into the story in a variety of ways but those are all spoilers so i won't explain it the main characters you interact with are these aliens called the rusulki who are like these giant like faces and that's what most of the game's marketing is built around is these basically giant greek statues i kind of would be the easiest way to describe them or uh in terms of what the faces look like but then they start stretching into these bizarre shapes that meld into the wall behind them. It's a game full of Genova from Final Fantasy VII, basically, is what all these (laughs) characters end up looking like. Mother! And then there's the uh, the main villain in the game, is Athetos, who a lot of the characters talk about, but it takes a while to meet him. Now, this is a retro-styled game, and, you know, games can be usually are 8-bit or 16-bit inspired but they don't really capture what those games were like playing on the nes or the super nes they are more talking about the density of pixels like the more visible the pixels are then it's an 8-bit game or even there are a few out there that are like 2-bit games like an atari retro style game there are a few of those out there but we don't talk about them much because they're they're kind of ugly and i think that keeps them from getting popular this is very much an 8-bit game and uh it borrows a lot of the problems that are actually part of 8-bit games and really de- works them into the gameplay. And that is what is most interesting about Axiom Birds. That's that's the thing it does that is most unique and really makes it stand out. Because when, you, when you played 8-bit games, the system hardware or even the software sometimes couldn't always really handle everything the game was trying to do so the the graphics would flicker or like a a platform would show up as a bunch of garbled graphics instead of the platform that's supposed to be there and axiom verge really leans into that because it actually makes that a designed part of the game rather than having it being a graphical accident 
And there's an item you get called the Disruptor that you can use against enemies that will like garble their, them graphically to what they look like, and it'll change their behaviors. And there will also be places where you can find like messed up pieces of the environment that you just pass through or act as a barrier, depending on what it is. And you can use the Disruptor on it to fix those platforms, so that way you can stand on them. That, that's kind of an interesting concept. And there's a an ability you get with a lab coat that lets you walk through walls. If you run up against a wall and keep pressing through it, then the character will actually phase right through that wall, and you can upgrade it over the course of the game, so that way you can walk through like a wall that's one block thick, then two blocks thick. And there's a whole world of video game speedrunning out there that uses unintended versions of that as far as part of progression so that's another place where action verge has taken a glitch and made it a gameplay feature and they're also the the hidden minus worlds as well which really take this concept to to its ultimate concept and again is taking things that happen by accident like minus world and super mario brothers and is making it an actual designed feature of the game and I think that either works for you or it doesn't, because what makes those things interesting in NES games is that they're they're not intentional, whereas in this game, it's a designed part of it. So it, it either feels like a fun homage or it just feels fake. And for me, it mostly just feels fake. <laughs> it feels like an, an, an affectation and doesn't really make for anything that that's that interesting to play. And there are other abilities you get in the game. There's like a drone you can launch out of your gun who is this this little thing that can run around into small gaps and it has this mini drill on it you can use to drill through some walls. Basically, it's a spin on Samus's morph ball. And then there's a full-size drill that I can use uh, in Trace's upright form where he can drill through certain platforms and things. And it's not always clear what you can be drilled through, so you have to just kind of poke walls sometimes to see which if you can go forward through something. And there are a lot of different gun types that I can unlock in this, and quite frankly, there's more than I care to use. Uh, by the end of the game, I remember when I played it back in 2018, I had more gun types at the end of the game than I even used. There were quite a few of them I, I didn't use at all, because they just they had no real function as far as you know being useful. But there are some gun types that you get early on that actually are quite useful. You need some to solve puzzles to open doors. Like there's a gun that you can fire like this orb out. And then if you press the fire button again, the orb will explode. And you can use those to shoot buttons that are around corners or through gaps you can't pass through yet. That's kind of interesting. And there's a boss I have to fight who his weak point is on his underside. And the only way to get under there is to fire this gun that kind of has a wave pattern that's the only way to hit that boss is to duck and shoot under it when it stands up very slightly now and then that's a kind of an interesting idea but most of the guns i barely used axiom verge like I, I was hoping i would really come around on it on my replay but i feel almost exactly the same about it as i did before <laughs> i like the premise but it's so incredibly average in its execution the world is very boring in appearance and design and it's just it's kind of ugly to look at and that might be a point in its favor actually i might be coming down on it too hard because usually when we think of you know, extraterrestrial worlds there's like a 
a beauty to them this game is not beautiful at all it is but ugly and like that might be what an extraterrestrial world actually would look like uh, an extraterrestrial world to us probably wouldn't be aesthetically much to look at it would be beyond our comprehension so axiom verge actually might be on the right track here with this idea but video games are not made for aliens they're made for humans and i think this game t- from a human standpoint, is but ugly. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And the story is just incredibly derivative. It's one part Half-Life, one part Bioshock, drawing from all that stuff that's been just driven into the ground. And even when this game came out in, I think, 2015 was when it first came out. Even back then, nothing it was doing was new or original. I hope the sequel is much better, because I... uh, I just don't think there's much to say about it past that a a solo developer made this. That is the most noteworthy thing to say about this. Other than (laughs) that, it's it's an adventure platformer that has some middling ideas about borrowing glitches from 8-bit video games. I mean, that's really all there is to say about it. Uh, Fun fact, uh, this was episode 16 of Switch Focus when you first talked about this one. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, January 2018 is part of a welcome back from Christmas episode, and we talked about a lot. (laughs) That might be why I don't remember what I said about it, because I probably just breezed right past it since we had such a full episode, and I just didn't think much of it to begin with, so I just said, I played it, it exists, next. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. In fact, I think I remember you talking about Pinball FX3 more than you did this. So yeah! It's probably telling. I still love that. <laughs> <laughs> I go through spells with Pinball. Uh, I went through uh, last year, like a month where I was obsessed with Pinball FX3 uh, and, you know, trying to get all the uh, stuff ticked off all the different tables, but I haven't been back since. Uh. <laughs> That's it for episode 152. Okay, folks, what are we playing in the coming week? Tori, we'll start with you. I'm playing a whole bunch of stuff that's not on the Switch, unfortunately. So I might try and find something in the backlog to, to talk about, but nothing planned. And Andrew? Uh, there's the Switch release of, uh, I want to call it an indie game, although it's probably going to turn out it's not actually an indie game. It's just a an double A game. <laughs> Remember when double <laughs> A games still existed? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was just an underwater exploration game, but I've since come to find out there are aliens and survival crafting mechanics in this game as well. A game that was popular for a while, Subnautica, is finally getting its Switch release, and its its sequel is coming out next week as well, although I, I think I'm going to put most of my effort into the first one. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. Uh, I'll pick something from the backlog again. I'm <laughs> just in no, no state to, to pick things up front like that. I'll talk about something. Okay, thanks for listening to episode 152. Uh, If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us to get noticed. You can also listen on Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast services. Make sure to check out our sister shows. We're all part of the game Podula Network. Uh, PlayState for PlayStation stuff and Power of X for Xbox stuff. Be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively game Podula community. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at GamePodula.com for updates, news, and other content links are in our show notes uh thanks to our new fan who pointed out all the flaws with the website i will get them fixed thank you very much if you would like to support the show 
uh, or the network rather, and therefore our show you can buy as a coffee or become a game podular patreon details for both those things are on our website thanks in advance this episode was edited by andrew and you can follow him on twitter at play critically and you can also read his long form reviews over at playcritically.com uh, you can follow me on twitter i'm at flame roast toast and you can also follow tori she's at stwtwo Sorry, I'm very burpy this episode, I don't know why. Too much beer. I don't drink beer anymore.
That's that's why you burp them. <laughs> Probably missed the beer. Too much plant based <laughs> plant based beer. <laughs> Too much coffee. That's what it is. <laughs> plant based coffee. <laughs> coffee is plant based. Yeah, I was gonna say that sounds weird, but it's not really. <laughs> <laughs> what plant based beer? Yeah, it's true. But that's pops, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, that was a thing in the US back in this past week with the with the Green New Deal and Biden banning burgers, which is not a thing that happened and some <laughs> oh. somebody on cable news was ranting about liberals only letting you drink plant based beer and was like, dude, do you even know how <laughs> beer is made? <laughs> oh my god. Beer comes out of a packet, clearly. <laughs> beer comes from cows. <laughs> you buy it at the grocery store. <laughs> the world would be a different place if that were true. <laughs> Just drunk cows just stumbling all over the farmland. <laughs> it's the bulls you got to look out for. <laughs> Get out of my way! <laughs> the, they'd be the Stella drinkers. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm fine, I, officer. I'm fine. <laughs> digression. Okay. L M M R P. Instead of cow tipping, cow tipsying. <laughs> yeah, cows don't tip. Okay. I, I wasn't that committed to that one. Um, <laughs> In plant-based beer land, cows tip themselves. <laughs> Tipsy. Is this going to be the first episode with like a 20-minute outtake? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Longer putting than any the of this episode. In the, episode. <laughs> the first one implying that there's going to be more. Yeah, <laughs> first of many. <laughs> well, we're eventually going to get to the point where the podcast is just nothing but banter and nothing that anybody actually cares to listen to. Mm-hmm. We're going to get there. It happens we're, to every podcast. We'll, we'll call that the the console wind down period. Oh um, no! I don't know about you, but I need a beer now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 